Welcome everyone to our Resource YYC podcast today. Today, Ron will be speaking with Stan Peek about his co-authored book. So uh, if you're not aware, Resource YYC is a co-working space for professionals. We have office spaces, dedicated desks, virtual office options, and boardrooms. So if you're ever in need, please come check us out. Over to you, Ron. Thanks, Rosemary, and uh, thanks for joining those joining us live and those listening on the podcast. Um, um, and again, I uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Resource YWSA, and I do encourage you to come down, check out our space. Um, people are starting to come back live downtown again, so there's a there's getting to be a sense of uh, uh, sense of uh, business downtown. And actually, uh, one of the things we like about our co-working space is you start to build a sense of community where you're running into people. So feel free to come down, great office spaces um, and great staff like Rosemary. Um, you know, one of the reasons we do these uh, podcasts is really to, to build community and build connection amongst uh, our members. And, uh, and really um, a, lot of the, a lot of people who are members and we commun- um, deal with our professionals in the community. And part of that is actually just reaching out to uh, some uh, book authors uh, like Stan and different consultants and to really get an understanding of, uh, of uh, what it's like to be a consultant and what it's like to be a um, book author in Calgary. So, uh, um, and then again, part of the podcast, if you're live, uh, once we're done, we'll, uh, we'll have some time for questions and answers after as well. So, so thanks for joining us today, Stan. Thank you. Um, and before we get in the book, um, we'll do a better job of uh, selling resource YYC. Uh, you guys are too humble. Um, I know I've been there since your original location. Yeah. I want to say 2016 is when we were connected, Ron. Yeah. But I always appreciated yours and Bill's, uh, for those that don't know, uh, Bill being the other co-founder, just commitment to trying to find something different in the marketplace. And uh, if anyone hasn't been to resource YYC, it's very focused on bringing professionals and entrepreneurs together. And I know seeing it firsthand, I've actually seen co-founders meet at Resource YYC and decide to do things together. So uh, they do a great job. I'm not paid to say this by the way, but I'm a big fan. Uh, They do a great job of hosting events and doing an excellent job of networking. So if you are uh, a startup or even in growth mode company, uh, you owe it to yourself to go to resource YYC, even if you don't take out an office there just to meet because uh, a lot of great connections that personally I've made out of there, including uh, clients, speaking engagements, you name it. So uh, we'll work on the pitch, but resource YYC, I'm a big fan. Well, thanks for the shout out, Stan. And, and, you know, we actually, so we did meet around resource YYC when we started. And so Stan's a, um, Stan has a great experienced background, but actually we've watched uh, your company grow and you grow. Um, you really are an expert business coach right now and uh, you do a lot of speaking engagements and uh, you're also a founder of a coaching company. And maybe I'll just, um, we'll take a bit of time and say you wrote six business books now, six different books. Um, Seven with uh, number eight is already in the number opera. Eight I probably have a problem. Eight. Yeah. Well, they're bestsellers. Uh, and you spoke at conferences, really getting to be around the world now. So um, you've owned lots of business. And I know your mission, uh, you see, you have a mission that you want to uh, help 1 million leaders uh, uh, reach their potential. So you must be well on your way. Um, and, you know, for us, uh, for us, it's been a journey a bit uh, together because we've got to, you've got to see Resource YYC grow and, and we've actually really got to see your uh, 
your coaching companies and your writing career take off. So, and, and beyond that, actually, you, you know what, you're active with your family. Um, and I think you're involved in football and hockey teams with your son there. And, uh, and you got a, a quite an active life in Calgary as well. So, so, so it's, it's, you're an encouragement to be around Stan and uh, we really appreciate you being on our podcast today. Thank you. I, it's personally just, you know, uh, as someone who's become a friend, it's been great to watch the growth that you guys have had. Uh, some some great friendships with the Resource YYC team um, from the people that are, you know, here today to, you know, Marlene, I mentioned Bill, just awesome, awesome people. So it's been so great to witness your success. And I remember when you did move uh, into your ninth application, it was just like, whoa, and a whole, an entire floor, but uh, I can't say enough good things about it. And, and last plug, I'll say um, a lot of times if you are in the consulting business or just in any business where you have to entertain customers, um, there's a massive difference if you're watching your dime uh, between courting a potential customer at Starbucks versus taking them to the 20th floor right by the Calgary Tower with an amazing view of downtown. Uh, I'm not a fan of fake it till you make it, but I think there's an implied credibility when you can meet a potential client or investor at a place like Resource YYC versus, like I say, your local coffee shop. But uh, no, we could we could go off on all day, uh, pat each other's <laughs> backs. Well, how about uh, we how about we leverage off that because I think a lot of a uh, lot of the books and what you've uh, what you've made a career of is really helping people in uh, entrepreneurs, startups and taking your lived experience um, and being able to apply to other, you know, to really, you know, the best way to learn is the hard way, but it's not always the way you want to learn, right? So uh, I would say the actual best way to learn, learn off someone else's hard way and someone else's experience um, and not having to repeat that. So a lot of your books, actually, uh, you know, I think uh, you're, uh, so I don't even know if I have them all. You've, you've done success as a system, how to sell in any economy, uh, now what, uh, ways to uh, build your business in crisis, which has been very apt to the, the way the Calgary and the energy industry has been last few years. Um, you had a breakthrough in success, and that's a bit about your personal journey as well. Um, and then uh, swim upstream is the other one. And We're going way back on that one, yes. Is it? Way Did back. Your homework. And, uh, but if we're going to get to eight, I think I only have six because life literacy. So, so I'm missing a couple books in this. Uh, yeah. Missing one is uh, when I wrote success, the system, which is kind yeah. of a page a day success and habit reader. It's kind of designed that, you know, you can get smarter five minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, you can read the entire book in an hour. However, uh, and that was a bestseller um, wrote written in 20, I believe 18, 2018 or 2019. I'm losing track. Um, but what I realized was, reading about success disciplines and reading about success habits doesn't mean you're implementing them. Yeah. So that was the gap. So uh, last year, late last year, December, actually, um, I, I had always wanted to have a really practical like workbook. So that's what I released last year. That was book number seven is, is the success as a system workbook. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's only been out, like I say, for a few months. And that's where people go in and there's practical exercise. Instead of reading about purpose, there's exercises to discover your purpose. And instead of reading about values, there's exercises to select what you believe your values are. 
and so on and so forth, from creating an annual plan to your bucket list to even how to be more productive during the day. So that was that book. Um, and number eight hasn't been released yet. Uh, but so that, that brings us up to date. Cool. Okay. I, and, you know, I think one of the things, and you talked a bit about it is, and definitely um, this latest book, it's very pragmatic and practical. So it's not, you know, this is not theoretical. This is how to apply things to your, to your life. And I've noticed that. So it sounds like some of the other books have the same, same kind of approach to them. But, but this book, um, so your most recent book, Life, I guess not the most recent book that's published, not the one in the hopper, um, Life Literacy, Real Life Knowledge and Resources for the Next Generation to Succeed. So um, um, I know from going through it, it, it varies some, a lot of practical application, but, but maybe you can just tell us a bit about what, what is that book about? You know, this book, you can see on the cover, I know it's blurry uh, with my background, um, but that, that is life literacy, as you mentioned, you already named the title, but you can see who's on the cover. Um, and there's my co-authors giving a shout out to Matt Young and Nelson So, uh, also my business partners. So you kind of mentioned, well, you didn't kind of mention, you mentioned, you know, lived experience. And that is the cornerstone to my consulting practice. We're going to get to the book in one second. Uh, but learning on your own dime is a slow, painful way to succeed in business. And I always had business mentors, even in my first business, going back to 1998, which was a personal training company, by the way. But I'd identified successful entrepreneurs, successful business leaders, and I would hear their stories about expensive mistakes, learning on their own dime. And I was trying to absorb as much information as I could to avoid that. Inevitably, I'm sure I, I, I avoided pitfalls by trying to be a sponge. But I did make a lot of mistakes, still am making mistakes today. Um, and I've made, you know, a lot of expensive, both in time, financial mistakes, um, learning along the way. Luckily, there hasn't been a lot of, you know, relational or reputational mistakes. Uh, you know, anyone that's worked for me, we I, I worked with me, I should say, we maintain great relationships. Uh, I think people, especially in a consulting type business, are the cornerstone of it. But that's really what led us to the book as well is, you know, we had lived experience that was leading us to kind of struggle with problems we couldn't necessarily solve, especially not quickly. Um, I'll tell the genesis, like my story. Um, you know, we, we, I, before starting my coaching practice, I'd owned a couple of businesses in health and fitness and wellness. We were acquired and grew and we're having a great time until we weren't. And I shouldn't say we, I should just speak for me. Uh, my, my former business partner, Vince, he is the CEO still of, of the same company we worked at. They've, they've grown, they, they grew a, a sister company under them that grew and was acquired. So they're, they're crushing it. Um, for me personally, I started working with a, I, well, not even a certain age demographic, but I noticed that the staff that I was working with had changed. Maybe they didn't change. Maybe I did. Maybe it was both. But what I noticed was earlier in my career, uh, we would do things like hike the Grand Canyon or go kayaking on the West coast of Vancouver Island. We did a adventure trip in Maui. We, we, hiked Kilimanjaro and went on a safari in Africa. Like we were doing amazing experiences with people 
And fitness was just the pathway to enjoy more of those life experiences. That was kind of our differentiator in that business. Uh, And at first, you know, these young fitness professionals were like, pinch me. I get to do that and I get paid, which was what I was like. Well, fast forward after several years, it was more like, I don't know. It sounds like a lot of work. And am I going to get paid while I'm there? So just the, the, what I, what, what the experience was the reward orientation, the entitlement, the work ethic was changing. Now, massive uh, caveat to that, some of the hardest working, least entitled people I know are young, even half my age. That's why we wanted to write this book. Uh, I don't, I I think personally that I'm too young to get in the rocking chair and, and say, damn, the next generation. However, we noticed a massive shift in the ego, the entitlement, the work ethic, and what the next generation thought they'd have to do to succeed. But again, we saw people that were just like younger versions of ourselves, mm-hmm. hardworking. By the way, I, you know, I'm not saying we were perfect, far from it, made a lot of mistakes, did a lot of dumb things. Um, thank God there was no Facebook when I was a teenager, and so on and so on. Uh, But what we wanted to do was we wanted to set those people who were willing to work for success with the tools for success. Mm -hmm. Someone, I don't care if someone's 70, 50, 20, if they're not putting in the work, they don't earn the results, period. That has nothing to do with age. Conversely, if someone is going to, you know, be a student of the game, work hard, follow the, the steps, that person deserves to get ahead. And what we noticed was that young people who were hardworking and following the steps weren't getting ahead. Mm. And there was a reason for that. And, And I think the reason I could attest to being a little bit older was as an employer, I was getting fed up with the people that were just phoning it in. Uh, people that were asking for 10 weeks of holidays a year, not an exaggeration, by the way. And, and it was just getting frustrating. So I kind of felt like even at, at the time, like 40 years old, that I was already a, you know, grumpy old man. And, and I turned to my mentor, Matt, co-author, and was starting to ask if he was having a similar experience. And he's like, yeah, why do you think I sold my business? So we started to have this, because we chat every week, we started to have this narrative, this conversation about what was shifting. And was it just us? Were we jaded or, or was there more to it? So we started to reach out to our network. Again, a lot of entrepreneurs, business leaders, uh, people younger, older, more successful than us. And what we found is it wasn't just us. In fact, it was so severe, some successful founders were closing their doors because they'd rather shut their business than manage the people that they had to deal with every day. That to me sounded like a big red flag. So we, we had planned on what do we do with this? And, and coincidentally, around the same time, our consulting company was being formed, uh, FSQ Consulting, um, which we'll say stands for forget status quo. Um, <laughs> But the reason I bring that up is that we have a brilliant financial mind in Nelson So, who happened to be younger than us. Matt actually hired Nelson back in the day to to improve their financial infrastructure, best practices, you know, their financial reporting, 
you know, just even how they make a dollar and what their cost of goods sold is, all these things. So what was really interesting is that Nelson is like 32. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, about 20 years younger than Matt. And I'm in between there. Um, he's he's uh, doing the math, 13, 14 years younger than I am. Um, so what was interesting is that Matt and I have this view as employers and Nelson had this different view as someone who was witnessing their peers either take that path of entitlement or work their ass off and not get ahead. Yeah. So it was great to see a different vantage point on the same problem mm-hmm. that Nelson brought to the table. Um, by the way, I'll make sure you get links to this. Nelson gave an amazing TED talk about social media and the, sorry, financial literacy and the social media generation. Hmm. So what he experienced was he fell into the same trap of, I saw it on Instagram and I want to buy it. Yeah. Uh, my friend is on vacation. I'm not, I've got FOMO. Yeah. By the way, we all suffer from that sometimes. That's not a certain generation thing. But what was great about Nelson and why we wanted him to be in the book is that it wasn't um, three people giving a different generation advice. It was two people sharing their experience as employers and one person sharing their experience as coming up through the system. So we kind of have a balanced view. That's the whole point. Life literacy is what can the next generation do to succeed and leaders why we need the next generation, why we can't just dismiss them uh, as a whole. So I'll pause there because I know we... Well, it's interesting. So the three of you, so at what point did you decide, decide your... sounds like you're having a lot of conversations about this. Is what point did the conversation say, you know what, we just need to write this down? Um, how did that come about? So what was the book was not our first idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, what our first idea was um, in Nelson we have a fractional CFO and a financial just whiz. Uh, I learn every single time I'm in a meeting with that guy. He's improved my financial acumen even after owning seven businesses. Mm -hmm. So he's he's a genius. Um, It's actually really cool, by the way, um, seeing someone who's younger than you and you kind of know what's going on when you just see his rocket ship take off. Uh, Proud of and, and thrilled to see that in the guy. But the point is that we had that acumen now that we, that we could offer that as a service uh, through his leadership and the people he would hire. And Matt, uh, I always call him the most connected man in sports. He's on a mission to fix sports uh, from, from overzealous parents or, uh, you know, sport academies that are all about elite, not participation. He's on a mission to fix sports. Uh, and that has its own consulting arm. And, and you know me, I'm all about leadership and business growth. It's entrepreneurs and executives. And uh, our fourth, Taryn, who's not our fourth, she's actually our CEO, is a marketing genius. So I bring all that up not to be an advertisement for FSQ, but to talk about the genesis of the book. We were starting a consulting company and we had identified uh, basically a content pathway, call it a course, that we were going to be taking businesses through to solve some of the problems that we just spoke about that would identify. So the question every business asks themselves is how do we stand out? How are we different? And what we wanted to do was protect our IP. Now I'm giving away a lot here, um, but there's a lot of people who are thinking about in a consulting you know, gig, how do I differentiate thought 
very hard to patent IP, as anyone who's gone down that pathway knows. However, and maybe my co-author is going to kill me for this, but what, what we decided and what we discovered is that when you write a book, especially a published book, not a self-published effort, yeah. that book goes into the Library of Congress as intellectual property. So really what we had is we had structure. We had a lot of, uh, we had the, the skeleton for the most part of a consulting, you know, signature program, as they say in the coaching world, in a book where now should we have any sort of proprietary elements, we now have something traceable that it's protectable by copyright law. That was a long winded answer, but it was the business was first that inspired the book to actually perpetuate, uh, to protect and and differentiate um, our methodology. Well, maybe a little more to that too. I mean, you guys didn't just regurgitate the things that were in your head because you actually did some research around this as well, right? You're, you're right. Um, I mentioned that, you know, Matt and I especially were like, yeah. can this just be us? Yeah. It wasn't. We reached out to 68 executives in Canada, the United States, Australia, mm-hmm. New Zealand, and the UK. Um, asking them basically, you know, are you having similar experiences to we, we would we'd paint a picture for them. And in our interviews, we would say, okay, what skills do you see entering the workforce? Mm-hmm. And we would get answers like, you know, technical literacy, you know, uh, tech savvy, social media savvy, um, innovative uh, ability, ability to work from anywhere, ability to solve unique problems, those sorts of things. That is probably not a surprise to people. We also asked what skills or what attitudes are you not seeing enter the workforce? And then we started getting answers like work ethic, emotional mm-hmm. intelligence, the ability to work, ability and desire to work within a team, um, and, and also the, the delayed gratification. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the biggest difference in terms of attitude around reward between, say, a baby boomer slash Gen Xer or, you know, late millennial or Gen Z is, you know, baby boomers, Gen Xers, they want the rewards, but they are expect to earn them. Whether it's a million dollars a year, whether it's whatever, I want to earn it, I deserve it, but let me show you that I deserve it. And I'm going to go crush it. Uh, where I think that the, again, big paintbrush, but what the research is showing is that late millennials and Gen Z kind of want to know what the reward is first, and then they're going to decide whether or not they want to put in the requisite effort. Hmm. So there's a difference in reward orientation. Now, part of that, and this is what I love about millennials and Gen Z, part of it is that they have a different orientation, different relationship with work. Um, It's like the whole work to live thing doesn't work for most millennials or Gen Z. Uh, For a lot of them, it's like, no, no, I, I want to identify my purpose and my purpose is not sitting at a desk. So I'm willing to work my butt off, but I kind of want to know how it fits with purpose first. And, and so they'll ask why a lot of times. And, and what a lot of leaders have to understand is when, when a millennial or Gen Z member asks why, they're not saying like, why should I? Yeah. Or why should I care? They just want to understand the purpose of the task they're about to undertake or why this strategy fits with the overarching, you know, mission or vision of the organization. So we as leaders 
just have to do a better job of spelling out, here's the strategy and here's why, and here's how it relates to your talent, your skill, and your job. If we do that, we, we have good commitment. Perfect. And your book, you kind of lay out each chapter. It's almost like a, a workbook to work. Th- well, it is a workbook to work through. Um, is it, how would you see, is it for the Gen Z's to work through? Is it for the employers to work through? Or do you see it a bit of both? It, it absolutely is both. Predominantly, yeah. it's for the late millennials and early and Gen Z, uh, yeah. basically around and we started without giving too much away of the book. We start with, uh, I mentioned a lot of the adventures that I was having um, and Matt in his business, which uh, he started that business. Uh, it was really about this amazing experience that we were able to share with hundreds of leaders and hundreds of people. And then it went away. He sold his business. I exited that business. And, and those things aren't necessarily in place anymore. So it was a bit of a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. Here, it's kind of like one bad apple spoils the bunch. So here's an opportunity that I know a lot of young people today would read and go, oh my gosh, how do I get that job? Sorry, it doesn't exist anymore because most of your peers aren't like you. Most of your peers are kind of like, meh, yeah, I don't know. And, and so opportunities go away when employers realize it's not worth the headache. So, so from there, we launch into, like you said, a workbook or a roadmap for young people to say, what, is, what am I up against? What is that 40-something, 50-something, 60-something who's interviewing me for a job thinking about me before even really getting to know me? That's what a lot of millennials and Gen Zs need to understand is you're not starting with a blank slate. Mm-hmm. You're actually starting playing catch-up. Because the person interviewing you has preconceived notions about other people your age. And unfortunately, they're passing judgment on you, assuming you're just like the other entitled people that they interviewed. And it could be the furthest thing from the truth. So we, sorry. No, no, I was going to say, so so this whole, um, you know, people are coming to conclusions, but it sounds like, and, and you even mentioned in your book that communication is one of like the most fundamental skills. And it sounds like that's even more important when people come in with preconceived conceptions of what people are like, right? Is an employer or an employee, right? Um, especially with Jen. So, so what do you mean when you talk about communication? So found a fun fundamental when, and I think that probably ties into some of the things you just talked about there. A huge. It, it, well, let me say that the communication is an issue in every organization yeah, yeah. and in every age demographic, every husband and wife or every husband and husband. I mean, that's that's that communication is in every relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, case in point, my first meeting this morning was with a, a senior partner um, in a in a industry shan't be named. But even among the partners, i.e. the owners of this very successful business practice, they're having fractured issues that all stem from communication. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, my golden rule of communication, it doesn't matter what you say. The only thing that matters is what the other person hears. Mm-hmm. So if we want to learn masterful communication, it comes back to that two ears, one mouth. We should be listening because as you listen, you learn a lot about what's said, what's not said, how it's said, And really what you learn is what matters to the other person. Well, now a a great listening is like, man, a a great listener is like a superpower. You learn so much. 
someone who appears to be just the smartest person in the room is probably a great listener because mm-hmm. they've absorbed so much. They know how to bend their message to each individual person to resonate with them at a high level. So that's a skill. I don't care if you're 15 or 51. If you learn that skill, you will be successful provided you use it for good. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully your book isn't having people use it for bad. So, <laughs> you know, another thing on that, on that note, I mean, I, I, what we try to tell people is the difference between manipulation yeah. and influence yeah. is intent. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah, because it, it's interesting, you know, without getting into politics and everything else, but um, the same skill sets that really can cause a lot of troubles in this world are literally, they are, turn out to be good communication skills used wrongly, right? So <laughs> wars start that way. Yeah, exactly. It, hey, um, I actually, I'm going to just, the, the half an hour is going, gone almost. But you had an interest, and I think this has uh, a bit of your background in uh, physical fitness and in that industry, but you actually kind of bring into the book how a, a resilient organization is just like a body, right? And then you go through, and I thought that was an interesting analogy because there's some definitely direct comparison to there. And, and, and how did that come in? Was that some of, your, some of your influence from some of your background, or how did that get into the book? Yeah, you know, funny you mentioned that because Matt Young started as a fitness entrepreneur. Uh, that's where I started. And Nelson did start in the traditional sort of accounting and financial background, but the guy's a beast. He's probably more jacked than, not probably, he is more jacked than Matt or I. Um, and so fitness is actually kind of a success formula for, for a really successful entrepreneur or business person. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, a fellow coach, uh, Mike Joseph, who I believe you know, I remember him telling me about when he ran into Mike uh, to Jeff Bezos in Maui. They had a brief interaction, and his biggest takeaway was Bezos was ripped. Yeah. You know, that that's, if you think about it, our, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a, as a multi, you know, serial entrepreneur, our enterprises require everything we can give it. Obviously, life balance is threatened. Um, our energy, our mental health, all those things. So the more physical fitness someone has, the more work capacity they have. But to your point, also the more resiliency. I always tell business leaders, when you're pushing that eighth or 10th rep, when your muscles are burning, or when you're running that extra mile, whatever the case may be, and your mind wants to quit, what you're really doing is you're developing your resiliency muscle. Mm-hmm. You're developing a reserve of effort that you can push past the, the first uh, temptation to, to throw in the towel, which we all need. Show, any, show me any successful business person, and I guarantee that person had hundreds, if not thousands, of opportunities to quit. Yeah. Right? But they, yeah. they were bound by a purpose bigger than themselves, and they were resilient. So you're absolutely right. The physical fitness background, uh, unknowns to myself at the time, really was, uh, you know, very beneficial in developing a resilient approach to business, which we now take to the boardroom and help teach others on how to build resilient organizations. I thought that was a bit unique uh, that you tied that into your book because it clearly, you know, everybody brings their background into, and, and like, we, like we start out this conversation, right? just life skills and life experience can make a big difference. And you actually brought 
that part into the book as well. So, hey, you know, just to wrap up, so so writing a book, you've pumped out quite a few now. How do, how do you find the whole process of writing books? Uh, extremely painful when I started. Yeah. Extremely painful. Um, yeah. And now still painful, but less. Now, uh, <laughs> I've gotten wiser about it. Like anything, you do things a few times, you develop more of a system. Um, but really it, it just goes back to a purpose bigger than myself. Books are a great way to reach people, some yeah. of whom I'll never even meet. Uh, but I'm here. I know I'm here for a reason. I'm here to lift people to their potential. And if the books help do that, then it doesn't matter how many we sell. We always say amongst us, Matt Nelson, Taryn and I, uh, one life changed means it's worth it. Like a Ted talk, a book, whatever. And, and to you, and it doesn't sound like it's, it's not just a book. It's tied right into your whole consulting and business practice so uh maybe maybe that's a good way to end up a bit about how you've actually and tied that into your practice and um you know if anybody does watch this podcast how buying the book and reading the book and maybe actually connecting with stan directly uh, might be a good thing so how, how have you tied those books in your practice you know really what it comes down to is a couple of things is that business a coach a wise coach told me years ago um, business is just a platform to help others so mm -hmm. the key is to figure out who you want to help take from another you know uh, resource that the size of the paychecks any business receives mm -hmm. is directly proportional to the size of problems it solves mm -hmm. we personally are trying to solve systemic challenges around leadership leadership development talent acquisition and development, and just building healthy, functional, high-performance work cultures. Those are, those are systemic challenges. They're not silver bullet solution fixes. That being said, by writing the books, we both position ourselves as subject matter experts. Uh, we don't do it just for that. We also do it to help the audience we care about. A, a great business is started because you're passionate about helping an audience. A business that won't be here next month is started because they see just an economic opportunity. Yeah. It has to be both. Of course, you got to make money, but over the long run, you actually have to care about the people you're there to serve. So for us, it's both. And, and I know the one acronym you use all the time is, is about results, right? So, and do you want to speak to results? Yeah, it's, it's our, now it's really our proprietary process to coaching and, and, you know, coaching could be this big, you know, sort of overwhelming concept, like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to hire Stan as a coach. What am I, what do I do? How does that work? I, I get on a zoom call or I get face to face what happens. And so to remove the stigma, but also I'm an A-type entrepreneur. I live in the world of ROI. Um, for me, it's all about giving people more value that we charge for. Mm -hmm. So over time, our coaches have really developed and refined a process where results is an acronym. Um, I'll just start with the R because I know we are kind of getting short on time here. The R is for reveal the root. What is their root motivation? What is their purpose? What is their values? And why are they wanting to start this business or take that next career step or change careers? We got to start with the all the elements that influence their decision. The other part of R is we reveal the roof, i.e. what are those things that might hold them back? First and foremost, limiting beliefs, their perception, their focus. Our focus dictates our reality. If we're focused on challenges, that's all we're going to see. If we're focused on opportunities, yeah, we're still going to see challenges, but we're going to see 
solutions and we're going to see unique opportunities that potentially other people in the marketplace don't see. So by looking at someone's motivation and also their limitations, that's the first step in actually expanding one's potential, which is what we're here to do. Yeah, cool. Well, we are running out of time. So um, we've covered lots. So definitely encourage everybody to, to read your books. Um, and, and this one, especially if you are a Gen Z or, or really starting out in your career, I think, um, I think this life literacy book would be a great, great spot. And some, you know, some things, some things may seem like things that you know already, but it, it's really good to see it reinforced and then laid out like that. So, so appreciate that. Um, and if they want to get a hold of you, um, well, so for one thing, we'll definitely link to our podcast, put your contact information. But if they wanted to reach out directly to you or to your website, where would they find you? Uh, website is getsuccessfaster.com. They can email me directly at stan at getsuccessfaster.com. Sorry, you know, I've been talking for a while today. Um, I'm also very active on LinkedIn. So very much appreciate that, obviously. I'll make sure you get all the right links. Um, and, and for those people that are listening on the podcast, want to thank you um, and thank our community for, for those of you that have, you know, bought, reviewed, read, um, and recommended life literacy. Uh, we, we don't get to bestseller status by ourselves. So we really appreciate our community. Good. Well, thanks for taking the time with us today, Stan. And again, looking forward to link up in person at Resource YYC for some event. Can't wait. So it'd be good. Okay, Rosemary, I'll turn it back to you. Thanks again, Stan. All right. Well, thank you so much. I think that everyone can pull a little bit of knowledge from that conversation. So looking forward to hearing what people learned from this. All right. Hope everyone has a great day. Bye. Thanks again.